Hey everybody, it's Anthony Brumfield here again, and up next on What's Next, The Lending Process. Alright everybody, we're here again. Uh, it's week two of it. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode uh, when we spoke when we spoke about getting an agent, right? You're, you're in this process, you're trying to figure out buying a home. Maybe you got family members that are in the process of trying to figure out buying a home, and you're like, what do I do? Well, hopefully you took the first step and found an agent that would assist you and help you on this path. Um, and whoever that agent is, I hope there's somebody that operates in integrity and care as of what we said before. Hopefully it was me. Hopefully I got some phone calls. I don't know. Um, but we're, we're glad you're here for another week, which I think is another very big, important part of the process which is the lending process, right? It's sometimes it's it's scary, right? Like people go get the agent, they they'll start to go look at houses, but once it gets to that lending process and having to talk to somebody about what you're going to get approved for and stuff like that's usually what people shy away from or like so they'll rather look online or get houses sent to them, but don't really want to look at the lending process. But today I have a good friend of mine, Miss Tiffany here, um, with Village Bank, and she's going to share with us a little bit. We're going to have a conversation about the lending process and just try to help demystify or get that fear out of the way about the lending process and help you understand it more to help you get to your next, right? That's the whole purpose is how to help you get to your next. So, Tiffany, let's introduce yourself and we'll go from there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anthony. I am um, thrilled to be here. So thank you so much for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. And I do think it's super important to talk about this because, again, I know a lot of people get very nervous, just like you said, um, and they want to avoid having the conversation with me um, or any loan officer, really. So I think some of it is because they're afraid they're going to get sold to. So um, that's not my mission. My mission is just to um, help educate, you know, help somebody learn. Um, so I'm Tiffany Norris. I am a loan officer with Village Bank Mortgage. So right here in the Richmond community, very excited um, to be at Village Bank Mortgage. They're an awesome uh, organization, and um, I've been there now for almost five years, although I have been in the Richmond real estate industry um, for almost 23 years now, which is crazy to think <laughs> about. So um which is awesome. I, I actually uh, didn't start as a loan officer. I started as a, a settlement agent. So I kind of started at the very end of the transaction. Mm -hmm. um, so I would sit with people, they would sign their final loan documents with me. And um, it was, that was my introduction into the business. And then from there, I kind of moved my way through over the years. And I've been in the mortgage side of things now for eight years, uh, okay. which is, again, hard to believe. Um, time flies. Um, so, um, but I, I'm very excited to be where I'm at now. Um, I had a really successful settlement agent career, but I find so much more um, enthusiasm. And so it's so much more rewarding to be on this end of things, yeah. because I do know that there are so many people who are nervous about lending. And so I want to be the person that people feel comfortable talking to. Yeah. So um, yeah. that they feel they can ask questions um, and are not going to get any judgment. So, yeah. 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 One of the things that we said in the last uh, episode with agents uh, was like, you have to find you 
the right agent, so interview agents and stuff like that, and then also find the right loan um, officer or mortgage company, whatever you're going to get your loan through, that will also show you care and stuff through the process. And so I'm glad that you shared some of that about your philosophy and, and who you are in this process and how rewarding it is for you. Um, and and as we talked about, like, the fears and the, the concerns and stuff for people walking through this process, what are some common misconceptions when it comes to the loan <laughs> process? Okay. So, um, wow, there are so many misconceptions. So um, kind of where to start is the, the big one, right? Um, so we'll chunk it down just a little bit. So one, um, a lot of people believe that you have to have perfect credit in order to be able to qualify for a loan. And while you do have to have reasonable credit, um, you'd be surprised. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, there are several different loan programs out there for people. Um, so I think finding out where you are and not being fearful. I am a firm believer that knowledge is power. So if you don't know where your credit is, that's where you start. You need to find out about your credit. Um, don't be fearful of that information. Um, in addition to that being a piece of it, as far as credit is concerned, there's also a common misconception uh, that people have to pay off all their debt before they go in and apply, right? Um, that's not actually the case. You don't have to. And in fact, sometimes utilizing the money you have on hand to pay off some debts um, may lower what you have to bring to the table when it comes to being able to qualify. So I am a firm believer in taking the opportunity to talk to a loan officer about what concerns you have, what debts you have that you feel you need to pay off, because if you do that, they can let you know if that's going to make a difference or not. Um, there's so many things in our industry that are not in line with common sense. Um, <laughs> so, so you need to really have a connection with what I would consider an insider. And that's who I consider myself. I'm an insider. I know the industry. Um, it's my goal to help you understand more about it and how it relates to you as a borrower. Yeah. Um, so I would say those are a couple of big, huge misconceptions is that you can't even start the process until everything's perfect. Um, and really, that's not the case, especially like in my instance, I've I like to take the time to look at all of the factors in the beginning and then figure out if there's places that need to improve and then give specific strategies on how to improve those. Right. Mm. Um, no two borrowers are alike, just like no two snowflakes are alike, right? Yeah. Um, so what pertains to one person may not to pertain to another. So you really don't want to be getting advice on how to start the process from someone else who's gone through it because their experience may be different because they had a whole different set of factors coming into play. Yeah. Um, so you really want to... Um, you know, study online. There's nothing wrong with that. Educate yourself on the process, but make sure you have conversation with a loan officer um, so that you can go through the things that you've learned and see how they apply to you. Because that's yeah. one of the things you're not going to get from the internet is how those things are going to apply to you. Um, now, talking numbers wise, a big misconception is that you have to have 20% down. Um, <laughs> so um, you do not have to have 20% down. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or whether you're a what we call repeat buyer, so you've already purchased a home before and now you're going to sell that home, buy a new home, um, you do not have to have 20% down. In fact, as a repeat buyer, 
you only have to have 5% down. Mm. So in some instances, it may even be less than that, depending on what your um, income is. So yeah. you may even have the opportunity to put 3% down, um, which you will hear a lot of people talk about first-time homebuyer programs. Um, the one thing that a lot of people don't understand about things that are geared towards first-time home buyers is a lot of times what that means is less of a down payment than 20%. Mm. Um, so in some of those instances, as, as little as 3%. In other instances, it could be you could get 100% financing. Mm. Um, now, with that being said, you do want to make sure you have some funds on hand. So um, you want to have a little bit of money. But if we don't have to use all of that money for you to be able to purchase because you can get 100% financing or perhaps there's other avenues to help you with down payment um, and closing costs, those things are important to be able to take a look at, mm -hmm. especially if you're a first-time homebuyer. You do not want to miss an opportunity to utilize a tool mm -hmm. that won't be available to you once you are no longer a first-time homebuyer. Um, yeah. So, so those I think are, are super important. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to go into too many more because I, like the list is literally very long. Um, but one of the things I will also say is a lot of people don't know that you are considered a first time home buyer if you have not had ownership of any real estate in three years. So say that you have owned a home, but you sold that home five years ago, you mm. don't own any property mm. now you are again considered a first-time home buyer so those first-time home buyer programs and possibly grant opportunities yeah. could be available to you and there's a lot of people who do not know that so yeah. i think it's important to share that especially yeah. on your platform so that people know yeah so so that that really can help some people out that might have you know you sold your house um hoping that you was going to get the dream house at some point and you went back into the rental market or you moved to another area and it's been some years since then. And now you're like, oh, man, I wish I could have that grant again. Well, if it's if it's been more than three years is what you said, right? Mm -hmm. You you can go in and qualify again. That's that's amazing for those of you that are like, I want to go back into home ownership, but I'm afraid like I don't have the funds. I don't have some of those things. There might be some there, there are some programs out there for you. You can tap back in. Uh, to the first time home buyers program and that I think that's an interesting fact that most people don't don't really know and so that's that's good yeah. to know thank you for sharing that oh, you're welcome yeah, yeah. And I do think that's important I'm I, you know again being an insider sometimes we take some of the information that we know for granted but I'm mm -hmm. amazed how many times I have conversations with people and they will tell me oh I, I didn't know that was a thing so yeah that is definitely a thing yeah. um, so uh, so I think those are some big ones and another misconception um, is talking about the rate being the most important thing of all, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I see that in a few different ways. One, purchasing a home, the rate may have something to do with when you decide it's time to purchase a home, um, but it shouldn't be the only factor. You need to make sure that you're ready to mm -hmm. buy a home. It is a responsibility, right? Um, and so you wanna make sure you're ready, but in the same sense, you also don't wanna only be driven by the rate, right? Yes. Just like, because at the end of the day, it is the payment that you're going to have to live with month after month, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so even beyond what the sales price is of the home that you're purchasing, it is the payment. And you will find some programs offer you a lower interest rate. But if you don't have 20% down, you might be looking at a higher monthly mortgage insurance cost. 
Um, or you might be looking at something that has a, you know, a, a higher interest rate, but lower monthly cost. And when you compare the two payments, you'll see that maybe the one with the higher rate was actually the one that was benefiting you the most. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I think there's a lot to look at. Um, and so that's where you want to have a good open dialogue with the loan officer that you choose to work with. Yeah. I think, I think that's great. What you, what you just said. And <clears throat> even, even with some of the terms, right. I've been, uh, each, each interview that I'm having, because like you said, insider, we know these terms, we know what it means. Mm -hmm. And we know that some sometimes even people who bought homes before don't really know it. They just, they're just engulfed with, oh, that house was so beautiful. I'm just signing everything and don't really know because they weren't, they didn't have people by their side, maybe that didn't sit and say, hey, just so you know, this is what this is. This is what this is, either from the agent or from the lending process or even from the closing process, right, mm -hmm. um, of saying, just so you know, these are the things you're signing. These are the things, what it means. So when you're talking about mortgage insurance, right, Yes. let's 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 talk about like what is what is that and what does that mean? OK, so mortgage insurance, um, which is pretty typical on. I would say over 95% of the loans where you're not going to put 20% down on, right? I'm not going to say 100% because there are some programs out there where you can put down less than 20% and you don't have any mortgage insurance cost. Mm -hmm. But the reason mortgage insurance is there is because it is to protect the lender in case you should default on your loan. Mm -hmm. So really the only benefit that it offers to a borrower is the ability to put down less than 20%. So, so the trade-off is you have that monthly cost. Actually, you can also pay it all up front. Um, but for someone who is looking for a lower down payment, they're usually not looking to <laughs> incur a lot of upfront costs on yeah. their loan. So being able to pay it monthly makes more sense. But that is something you want to talk about as far as you as an individual and your specific case. Again, everything yeah. is individual. Um, and so the, the mortgage insurance is something that you, you get, and depending on the type of loan that you have, you might not have to have it for the whole entire loan. Hmm. Um, you know, there are differences. So, um, you know, depending on how much you put down and how long it would be, tip, like a conventional loan, once you reach an 80% loan to value, so that means yeah. you have 20% equity in your home at that point, that's when you can ask to have the mortgage insurance removed on a conventional loan um, at 78% loan to value. So now you've worked up to 22% equity. Now it comes off automatically. You no longer have to pay it. So yeah. it's really just a means to be able to get you to a place where you're going to be able to have a lower down payment mm -hmm. um, option. Um, and there's a few different ways to tackle that. And so that would be a strategy you'd want to look at one-on-one -on -one with someone. Yeah. 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 And so, not many people really understand that and that's why I wanted us to kind of talk about it and uh and when it when it comes to the loan payment right what's all what's all included cuz a lot of times people are like okay my house is whatever price and that's it right and 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 think that that's it but there's so is is a bunch of different things in it. So what what is a typical? I know some things can change. Right, right. Not you're not always going to have insurance, mortgage insurance, and stuff. But what is a typical a typical buyer going to see that's going to be all included in their payment? Okay. So, um, so you know, we in real estate, right? We love our terms, right? And we love our abbreviations. So, um, so you will re you will likely as you go through the um, purchase process hear pity 
or P-I-T-I. Um, what that stands for is principal and interest, which is based off of your loan. Um, and then taxes, which would, that's your real estate taxes. So typically that's going to be your county real estate taxes. For some areas in Virginia, there are um, town taxes as well. So that might be applicable in other areas as well. Um, homeowners insurance. Um, and then mortgage insurance, if you're putting down less than 20%. And then in some instances, so like if you're buying a townhouse or a condo or a home that is inside of a neighborhood that mm -hmm. has an association, then you're also needing to calculate in what the association fees will be. So in that instance, I call it P-I-T-I-A um, for the association dues. Mm -hmm. um, and so essentially what they do is the principal and interest is your monthly repayment of the loan. And then they will take whatever the annual real estate tax bill is and divide that by 12. And then that portion goes into your monthly payment. Um, and then you will also have your homeowner's insurance premium, right? And so you get that homeowner's insurance coverage with whatever agent you want to work with. Whatever your annual premium is, you'll divide that by 12. That amount goes towards your payment, that one twelfth amount. And then whatever the mortgage insurance cost comes out to. Um, and then if it's the association dues, and let's say they're only due annually or if they are due um, quarterly, what they're going to do is take whatever the bill amount is and then break that into a monthly amount. Um, and that's really only included for being able to qualify for that particular property, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be factored in that you can afford that whole payment, yeah. not just principal and interest. You have to be able to cover the whole payment. Yes. Um, and so that's why you, know, you can have two properties, both at a $300,000 price point, but the payments are going to be different. Even the, the loan amount and the rate are the exact same because the real estate taxes are likely going to be different on each of those properties. Yes. So, yeah. so, so really good point there. Um, so when you hear pity, just know that's your principal interest tax and insurance payment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So because once again, like I'm hoping that the people that are listening in, they may they may own a house, like I said before, or they may they may want to get into it, get into the real estate world. And um, I think it's important for them to know these things because I we watch you know people watch HGTV and um and think it's just like oh i saw this house i want it and that's it and and everything just worked out miraculous and there was there was nothing else to it and um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're getting yeah. their highlight reel um and yes. trust me when you go through the process it's it's not always a highlight reel you get the real deal um and it does take some work yeah so, so and and then can we talk about what's the difference between a pre-approval mm, yes and then the then the final approval right like like yes. what's like what is that what what is that um yeah the difference okay yeah. yes would love to elaborate so um so there are so you'll hear terms like pre-qualify right mm -hmm. so you can pre-qualify that's one of the things they're asking you to do before you even write a, an offer mm -hmm. um, and pre-qualification doesn't carry as much weight as a pre-approval mm -hmm. right? here we go the terms um, <laughs> now pre-approval though there is no um hard definition so you could work with one company and one loan officer and they will take a certain amount of information and get you pre-approved whereas you'll work with someone else and they may want more information in order to get you pre-approved um i am one of those um so and and the reason why is because we want to vet all of the information as much as possible that's key and so important and i'm going to go into a little bit more detail on that in just a second but the pre-approval is not your full loan approval right mm -hmm. so um 
the full loan approval means that the underwriter has seen the details of your contract. They've seen all of your financials. Um, they've seen an appraisal of the property, and they have said that all of that is good, and you get your full loan approval, which typically doesn't happen until like maybe week of closing. Mm-hmm. Um, it can happen sooner than that, and sometimes it can happen the day of your closing. Um, unfortunately, that don't operate on that very often, but um, but sometimes that can happen. Um, and so there is a big difference between the two, but there is a lot that you can do in the pre-approval process to make going from pre-approval to full loan approval much easier. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's where I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the pre-approval process um, and make people feel comfortable with going deep in the pre-approval process, because I think a lot of times people are nervous and don't want to, um, but it's really hard if you find out in the process after you're already under contract on a property that there's something that didn't get seen up front Mm -hmm. because some type of documentation was not provided. So, um, and I'll, and just to give you a a little background, um, I'm a firm believer in pre-approvals, a firm believer in doing anything you can to weed out hurdles as much as possible. Um, when I bought my first home, um, I had been in the real estate industry for a while. Um, and so, of course, I had agents who were friends. And one of my agents, I, I told him, you know, I think maybe we would like to go look at a house. And so I did the thing you're not supposed to do. And I didn't talk to a lender first. I was not a lender at that point, by the way. Um, and I did not talk to a lender first. He took us to see the house. I fell in love with the property. I mean, <laughs> I still remember where the property is and I have driven by it. Um several times since that time. Um, But we found out after we fell in love and we went to write an offer that we couldn't qualify because of something that I didn't know about that was on my credit. Mm. So that actually delayed us for several months and it really stung. Like it it hurt pretty bad. I don't want my buyers to go through that process. This market is hard enough as it is anyway. You don't need one more thing to make it that much harder. Um, so I I feel like that is, is super important. Um, and so we will collect your application and then also collect your documentation like pay stubs and W2s and your bank statements. And some people may say, well, you know, why would you need all of that information up front? Well, here's a few reasons why. So a lot of people don't realize that the income that we're using to qualify you on is your gross income. Mm-hmm. So we can really only see that on your pay stubs because your bank statements are only going to show the amount of money that came into your account. Yeah. So why are you going to cut out that additional amount of money that might be able to help you qualify, yes. right? Um, you also may have different types of pay. So you might get a base salary and then have hourly and overtime. Um, we're not going to see that again, on your bank statement with the direct deposit, or we're not going to see that on a W-2. We need to see the pay stub so that we can see the breakdown. Um, And I I tell people, your actual income is not always your qualifying income. And that's important to know. Mm, Um, It is because there could be um, certain types of income. So for instance, if you are a commissioned employee, um, the underwriting guidelines will need at least 12 months and in most cases, two years worth of earnings from commission, because as we know in commission, it's not always the same paycheck every month. No, so, it's not. 
And from season to season, it can differ. And so they're going to want to average that out over a 24-month period of time to determine what your qualifying income is. Yes. And that's the number that is going to be the most important. Um, truthfully, your actual income won't mean anything um, close to what your qualifying income is going to mean. Yeah. So, um, and the same thing is true as to your credit scores. You know, some people will track their credit scores online. Um, when you do a mortgage application, they're going to look at all three euros, all mm. three credit scores are going to be looked at. So, um, that, so TransUnion, Equifax, Experian, those are all going to be looked at and you'll have three scores. They'll all be valid scores, but mortgage underwriting guidelines state that we are to use the middle score of the three to be the most fair. So, um, and you know, so that whatever your highest score is, if that's the only one you're looking at, if there's a big difference between your high score and your middle score, that could make a difference between being qualified or not. And again, that's why I want people to seek me out early on in the process. I mean, there are times when I've actually talked to people about the lending process before they've connected with a real estate agent and there's nothing Mm, wrong with that. Nope. So especially if you are talking with the right person, right? Yeah. You know, I I want to give you information. I want you to feel comfortable with the process. And we may talk several times over the course of a year or two before you're really ready to pull the trigger. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's real good to know, right? Like before you go to a house, uh, if, you're wor- if, you are, if you are working with an agent beforehand and you're, if your agent is not saying to you, hey, you should talk to a loan, uh, a mortgage company um, or a loan officer or whatever and, and try to get yourself a pre-approval, then they're not guiding you correctly um, because you may go to a house. Mm-hmm. And I've said this to people before. My clients like, hey, we might go to this house. You might fall in love. And if you're not pre, pre-approved or you don't know what your spending can be, you might fall in love with this $700,000 house but only can get approved for three fifty. That's exactly right. Right, and so we don't we don't want to do that for you, or we don't want you to limit yourself to be looking at three fifty houses and you you're approved for seven hundred. Not saying you're gonna want to go for the seven hundred. We're right. gonna we're gonna honor mm-hmm. we're gonna honor where you want to be at. But like maybe there's a house that's four hundred mm-hmm. that you can actually get, and they can show you how to do that. So like it's good to see where you're at. Before you walk into the house, because if you walk in that house, you fall in love. Nine times out of ten, somebody else has walked into the house and mm-hmm. fell in love. And they, if they have all their ducks in a row, they'll be the ones that will get the house because we got to wait for you to get approved and all this other stuff to to show it and then to write the contract. And now somebody else already has that ready to go, and they're they're doing. So it's not to to pressure you into doing it, but like that's why usually the question is, when are you looking to buy? Mm-hmm. Right. And if we know that not immediately, OK, the, then still you need to begin the conversation. Um, but if you know that you might walk into a house and you're ready, then we need to really get the conversation going. Right. Like um, and, and even with that conversation, let's talk about it. Right. We, there, There's different type of lenders mm-hmm. out there in this world. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and what that looks like and. I can, um, and and I and can talk about it from loan officer perspective, and then also, you know, there's there's different types of lending indus- institutions anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, so there's going to be a little bit of difference there. Um, so, when it comes to loan officers, you could 
be talking to two people at the exact same company and you'll get a very different experience. Um, we, like loan officers, it's very similar to real estate agents. We may be in the same industry. We may, like you all, be in the same brokerage, but doesn't necessarily mean your approach to the business is the same. Mm -hmm. So your approach to your buyers is going to be different, likely going yeah. to be different. Um, so you really want to find a loan officer um, that you feel comfortable with. You want to like them and you mm -hmm. want to trust them, right? Mm -hmm. You know, this is a big decision and you want to trust that they have your best interest in mind, um, that they are going to be transparent with you and give you all the information and be willing to answer all of your questions. There are so many questions out there. Um, I want people to bring me all the questions. <laughs> That's the type of loan officer that I am. Bring me all the questions and let's talk about it. I don't want to leave any stone unturned because I don't want there to be a seed of doubt in your mind when you get to the finish line that this was fantastic for you, right? That you made the right decision by buying a home of your own and that you're going to feel comfortable going forward. Um, so it's very similar to your approach of wanting to find um, a realtor. Now, when it comes to lending institutions, you're going to find a few different categories. So I'll make it simple and say you've got your A, Bs, and Cs, right? So let's say your A's are your bigger banks or maybe even credit unions, right? Um, they're going to operate a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. You'll have a loan officer um, and the loan officer will be maybe your initial point of contact, might not always be your point of contact through the whole thing. That's also important, especially depending on how you are as an individual and how you like to operate. Yeah. Um, and so those banks will be able to offer you things that the bank will service. Um, they will likely have a big, huge operation center that's going to be handling the back side of your loan that you don't get to see, um, but they're the ones that make all the decisions. Um, and then um, and then in addition to that, you'll also have uh, correspondent lenders. Okay? Correspondent lenders are pretty uh, popular on more of a like local level, they're, and they're everywhere. Um, I, myself, Village Bank Mortgage, even though we are affiliated with Village Bank, which is local in the Richmond community, Village Bank Mortgage is, is separate and we are considered a correspondent lender. So um, that means that we are going to handle your loan, process your loan, underwrite your loan, all in-house for well over 95% of the loans that we do. Um, now, at the end, once you've signed all of your paperwork and you have the keys to your house and you're getting ready to make your first payment, between the keys to your home and the time you make your first payment, the loan will transfer over to a larger investor. Um, and so that's known as a servicing transfer. Mm -hmm. When that takes place, that means that that bigger company is now going to service your loan, which the good thing about that with correspondent lenders is that that means that because I have more than one investor that I'm looking at, mm -hmm. I can see a whole pool of different investors that are offering different interest rates and, mm -hmm. and um, the terms of how to get that particular interest rate so that you can kind of, they're basically competing for your business is what they're mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. And so we can place you with the company that makes um, the best sense from an underwriting perspective as far as any specific 
excuse me, tongue tied, <laughs> specific guidelines that they might have. Um, and we also want to make sure we're doing really good on the interest rate offering as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Um, and then that investor is going to be who you're going to make your payments to, but none of that's going to take place until after you've gotten your loan in place, mm -hmm. um, which means you're still going to get local service. Um, and again, speaking for myself as a correspondent lender, I do operate a little differently as a loan officer. Um, I'm a, I like to be a one person contact. So, mm -hmm. so my, my buyers are going to talk to me day one when they call in to inquire mm -hmm. and they're going to work with me the whole time. I'm going to remain their point of contact all the way to the day of closing when we sit down and they sign all of their papers and become a homeowner. Yeah. Um, or, you know, they purchased a new home. Um, so the other alternative is a mortgage broker. Um, and so, and sometimes the, the, those terms get mixed up, but a mortgage broker is someone who they're not going to be underwriting the loan in-house. They still have a pool of investors, but the difference with them is that they are going to be getting all of your documentation, communicating to you, but all of the underwriting uh, process is going to take place directly with the investor. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit more of a hands-off approach, um, which is why a lot of mortgage brokers are going to work with specific companies that they know they can trust. Mm -hmm. um, because there really is nothing worse for a loan officer than not having any control of the process as far as the underwriting process is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, because as I mentioned to you earlier, there's not a lot of common sense in our business. <laughs> and and some underwriters will be more particular than others. You know, they have a job to do, um, to be fair to the underwriters. Mm -hmm. They have to assess risk. They have to know that they are getting a good loan and that the borrower is going to be able to pay that loan back. So there's several things that they have to look at. And, um, and so they want to be very careful. But sometimes underwriters can, you know, go too deep. Yeah, that's at least, you know, what some loan officers will likely think about underwriters. But yeah. um, but again, we're all here to do a job um, and make those things happen. So but those are kind of the, the differences between those. And so I think based on your approach, my my specific approach is I don't want my clients to have to remember a laundry list of people that they've got to communicate with. Mm -hmm. They can remember my name. They've got my number. They've got my email address and the team behind me. They can see all of that information, but my borrowers only have to remember me. Mm, that's good. That yeah. makes it intentional, it right? It is, yes. Um, and it shows that, like, I am here for you, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so it's not like, um, I guess you're such and such, but no, like, this is this is what the conversation that we had, and this is how we can move forward. So mm -hmm. um, as we're getting close to the, the wrap-up time, right, yeah. one of the things that, because I think we've covered a lot of the questions, like just through conversation, right? We talked about kind of like how to get started and it's to talk with somebody, right? Interview, mm -hmm. figure out if you figure out who you want to work with, find the right loan officer. Is it with the big banks? Is it with the correspondent? Is it with a mortgage broker? Like, is it with one of them that will help you out? Right. And I think a misconception is um, that like, uh, I don't want my credit to continue to get ran. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that's why sometimes they don't shop. But, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, if I go to ABC Lender mm -hmm. and they run my credit because it's such a big hit, I can go to other 
people and get it ran and it won't be a hit on mine because I have a certain amount of time. Is that, is that true? Or is that a myth? What's no, that is, that's good that um, you asked it as, you know, um, a myth or not. Uh, so you can, for a certain period of time, have credit run um, by multiple companies for the same purpose without it hurting your credit. It, some will tell you two weeks, some will tell you 30 days. Um, you know, I, I would say somewhere in between the two weeks and the 30 days is where you would want to be. So if you start off with getting pre-approved, you can get a pre-approved with someone, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll run your credit for that. And then if it takes you some time before you purchase a property, you know, then look at what your options are at that point. Maybe if you have to do another credit pull, then that's when you want to do some shopping around, right? Because if you do it all within, you know, a week, it shouldn't hurt your credit as much. It's very similar to um, like when you go to a car dealership and they're looking for a loan for you, you will notice on your credit report that you've got like 10 inquiries. Yes. So, but to the credit bureaus, they know it's all for the same purpose. So it's all one. What you don't want to do is apply for a credit card one day and then an auto loan two days later and then a mortgage two days after that because now you're taking a lot of hits on your credit. Um, And there is also um, one thing that I I answer for a lot of people has to do with the hit on credit. Mm -hmm. So when you have strong credit, right? So say you're in that upper 700 or 800 range, you got there by protecting your credit. I get that. But if you run a hard pull of credit and it does ding your credit, it's going to not hurt your score as bad, you know, because you still going to be able to qualify likely for the same type of loan programs Mm -hmm. if you're strong, if your score is that strong. Whereas if you are unsure about where your credit score is and you're on the like the low 600 score Mm -hmm. range. Um, the difference between a point or two from having your credit run too many times could make a big difference on whether or not you're ready to qualify or not able mm-hmm. to qualify. Um, so I'm, again, a firm believer in when you identify that owning a home is something you want um, and you don't have the cash to pay for it all in cash and you know you'll need a loan, then we should start having conversations then. Yeah. Um, and we have tools at Village Bank Mortgage. We have tools to be able to help our borrowers in planning out a strategy. So if somebody comes to me and says, I don't have a clue what my credit score is. Um, I think it's really strong, but I've never done this process before. Let me go through the application process with you. Um, let's do a soft pull of credit. So because a soft pull of credit will not impact your um your credit scores, like yeah. a hard pull does. It, and it has limited functions from a lending perspective, but the biggest advantage that it has for a borrower is it allows us to see what scores are gonna be pulled when you pull what we call a tri-merge credit report. We call it that because we're getting we all three credit scores. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so that is a good starting place. And if, I don't care if you're gonna buy in you know 18 months, if we do that soft pull of credit and there is something on there that you did not know about, remember, I had that incident. <laughs> um, if you don't know about it, it gives you time to be able to address it and get it fixed. Yes. Right. Um, and so I'm either going to help you work through fixing that or I'm going to tell you, you know what, you're doing everything right. So just keep on going until you're ready. Come back and we'll assess things at that particular point in time. And it doesn't just have to be credit. It can also be. Um, you know, your income 
I talked to a lot of self-employed borrowers before they're ready to move forward mm -hmm. because they want to make sure that they are fully prepared for what it's going to look like for them. <clears throat> so I think those are some of the important things to know is like, don't put off talking to someone yeah. because you don't know what you don't know. But that's why I'm here is to help you know what you don't know already. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and and it's beautiful because it's about the journey, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that's what you you want to find somebody that's willing to go on the journey. Now the journey, the length of it is up to you, right? Like we're not going to. You should find an agent and a, a somebody working a lender that is not trying to say, okay, let's get out there and let's do it right now. Unless you said, I want to move quickly, right? Um, but if somebody's trying to push you, push you, push you, push you then they're more looking at you as transactional and not the journey of what it means to get into this whole world of buying and selling and exactly. You know, um, and I'm a, I am too, like, I believe that. So I, I come from, so I was raised by a single mom. Right. And she had a lot of doors closed um, in her face. Like you'll never be able to do that. You'll never be able to get that type of car or you'll never be able to do whatever. Um, so felt very defeated. Um, and I'm very much a believer that anyone can purchase a home, but your timeline is going to look different on when you're going to be able to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. And that timeline could be different because you yourself are not ready yet. Maybe you have some work to do, or maybe the market is just, you know, giving you something that you're not ready for just yet. So you want to take a little bit of time before you're ready to go into the market. So I think that it's, don't let anybody tell you that it's something that you can't do. I think it's such a disservice to the people that we work for when someone on the mortgage side says, uh, you should just forget it. You're like never going to be able to do this. Like, you know, like maybe it'll take you six months a year. Maybe it'll take you more than a couple of years. Who knows? But if that's a goal and you're really willing to prioritize it as a goal, then talk to somebody like me who will give you the strategies so that you can then start yeah. working towards that. Right. Yes. So, yes. I mean, we know we have goals, right? Yeah. We got to work at them every day, <laughs> every day, <laughs> every day. Um, so two last questions. Okay. Um, cause I, I don't want to go without asking this one, um, especially, and it might be too long. If you say, Hey, it's way too much. You can just abbreviate it. And then we maybe come back and talk about it later. Right. Okay. Um, the first thing is what are the types of loans out there? Oh, okay. Um, so overarching, um, you've got your conventional loans, right? You will see your conventional, um, loans and you've got FHA loans, mm -hmm. USDA loans, um, Let's see, veterans loans, they're also referred to as VA loans. Um, and just know that inside of each of those loans, you also have different terms, right? So the most popular being a 30-year fixed rate loan term. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case for all loans. You can do 15 years, you can do 20, you can mm -hmm. do 10. Um, and those, you can do a fixed rate. You can also do an adjustable rate. That's been very popular as far as a conversation in the last couple of years in this current market that we've yeah. been in. Um, and so deciding what you're going to be able to do is going to really matter specifically for you. That's why we try to narrow it down. And you may find 
that you could qualify for more than one program, and then you have the opportunity to compare so you can figure out which one is the best. So a, a likely comparison is between an FHA loan and a conventional loan mm-hmm. because uh, those you can do anywhere. Um, and the biggest difference is going to be whether or not you've got really solid, strong credit versus, you know, maybe you've got younger credit or some credit things that have happened to you in the past that you've recovered from, but, you know, it hasn't been that much time. So maybe an FHA loan may give you more favorable interest rate offerings. Um, so that that's something key to know. Yeah. USDA loans, um, those are for more rural area. Uh, most of the time when I say USDA, people are thinking beef at the grocery store, but that's yes. not what it is. Yes. Um, so USDA loans are for more rural areas. And so the property actually needs to qualify for that type of financing um, in addition to you as the borrower. So okay. if you're trying to buy like in the city of Richmond, that's not an area eligible for USDA. No, so you're not going to be able to utilize that. Uh, but it is a good program for more rural areas because it can offer up to 100% financing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also has income limits, so that's something else to consider. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the easiest one to explain is veterans loans. So veterans loans, you have to be a veteran, and you not only have to be a veteran, but you have to have your certificate of eligibility, uh, which we can help you know attain a copy from the VA if you mm-hmm. know that you are eligible. But that you have to have in order to be able to get a VA loan. And again, that can offer up to 100% financing. Um, It's a great program for our veterans. I love working with our veterans and doing the VA loans. Um, But that you have to be a veteran to do that. Um, So that's why I said your most popular are your FHA and um, your conventional mortgage loan options. And so you're going to want to take a look at those and see what you can qualify for. They have different minimum down payment requirements. and a, another misconception is that FHA is only for first-time homebuyers, and that's not true. Yeah. You can have a FHA loan and then sell that property and get another FHA loan on another property. Um, the majority of the time, like I would say, for the most of the population, you should just always know you can't have two VA or excuse me, two FHA loans at the same time. Yeah. So. A lot of times you can't have two VA loans at the same time either, um, but there are more exceptions to that rule than there are the FHA, FHA. rule. Okay. Yep, because they are the USDA, FHA, VA loans. Those are all for only primary residents. So it has mm-hmm. to be the home that you are living in. Yep. Whereas conventional loan opens up more to people who want to have a second home yep. um, or they're going to buy an investment property that they're going to rent out those types of properties, conventional financing is what we have to look at for them. Uh, so, so yeah, so I think hopefully I answered no, the, you did. Like you the did. scope of it. And there's a lot of things inside those tiers of yes. conventional FHA, USDA, VA. Um, and so that's where I can get a little bit more in detail with an individual as to those programs and such. But, uh, but hopefully that's a nice little overview. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think, I think it was a great overview and I think it's, um, didn't I didn't want to go too deep into it because I want people, if you're interested, to reach out, right? Okay. Yeah. And to be able to have the conversations and learn more about it. Um, but this this is the purpose is to help you get to the next and see, oh, this is a possibility. This is something that I can do. Um, is there anything that you want to end with or say to people and also let them know how they can get in contact with you? Um, well, and I think I said that earlier. I think the big thing is just to know if you want to buy a home, don't, 
hopefully you know from this podcast and from us talking that there's somebody that you can talk to. So, um, so please don't hesitate to pick up the phone or reach out to me by email and say, I want to have a conversation about what it could look like for me. I don't want anyone believing that it's not possible because, you know, I'm a firm believer. All things are possible. Just Mm -hmm. a matter of the work you have to go through to get to it. Um, and, and so I think that's the one big thing I would like people to leave, you know, this, um, podcast knowing, um, and then beyond that, um, you know, you can find me at Village Bank Mortgage. So I am in Midlothian, but I'm also all around town. Um, you can contact me, um, by email at tnorris at villagebankmortgage.com. So it's, it's a long one, but, uh, that gets to me. So you can also find me, um, on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram, um, as Tiffany Norris, LO. Um, again, I'm at Village Bank Mortgage. Um, so, and, you know, I invite you if, if you're at all wanting to talk to me and you want to hear how other people's experience has been with me, please go to my Instagram or to my Facebook page and read what people have said after they have worked with me. Um, I try really hard. I mean, as you know, like people's trust in me as a loan officer, especially being in the local community, that is everything to me. That is my biggest asset in this business. And so it is important that I do right by you mm-hmm. as a real estate agent when you're working with me. And it's also that I do right by the client. Um, you know, And that's why I want to work with real estate agents who are like-minded and want yes. to do right by their clients. So, so Anthony is um, very much that person. <laughs> so thank you again. I really, really appreciate you having yeah. me on today to talk. Um, I could talk for forever because I love this stuff. So, yeah. um, so that's why I tell people, if you've got questions, I got answers. Yeah. If I don't have all the answers, I'll go find them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to do this and that you were willing to sit in with me and share uh, this information to people that may not know or may do know and just need a refresher, right? Um, I'm grateful for you. And if you are looking for somebody uh, that will care for you and that will walk you through the process and be there, Tiffany is that person. Um, I've, I've always say that I'm not putting people in front of you all that I can't vouch for their character. And her character is genuine. She really does this... Uh, not for the bottom line, right? We all have jobs. We all have family to take care of. We know that that's like, we will never ignore that fact. But what's the primary goal is to how is how how to help people get to their next. How are we supporting them to achieve their dreams and their goals? And knowing that it may not happen in the next 45 days, but we want to walk with you. We want to be with you. We want to care for you. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's not a transaction. It's a, hey, how are you doing? How's that house? How can we be of support? Are there things that you need beyond that? Because guess what? After you buy that house, after you sign those documents and you walk in there, that hot water heater can mess up. <laughs> you know, you know, you might, you might want to see that the interest rates might drop. And so then you might need to talk to somebody and say, hey, those interest rates drop. Can, can we talk about refinancing yes, in a couple can. of years? You know, so there's, there, there are things that you're going to need that might not even deal with the loan that we might have connections with people about because we're about you as a whole person, right? Um, and so I'm grateful again for you being a part and being on. And I'm grateful for everybody uh, that has tuned in and that continues to tune in and support. Uh, remember to like, subscribe, share it um, with friends and family. Uh, and 
join us again um, at the next one where we'll be talking about the home inspection process, um, which is another key part of this whole thing of buying a home that we don't think about. Uh, And so once again, I'm glad that you're here. I'll see you next time on What's Next.